The following question is sure to make pretty much every single one of us squirm a little bit, but here goes nothing. I'll ask it anyways. How is your prayer life going? Like, really? Beyond praying grace before meals? Beyond coming here to Mass for an hour every Sunday? Beyond the sort of memorized prayers that you have a habit of praying, maybe since you were a kid? How is your prayer life going? It's kind of an uncomfortable question for us, and whenever I ask it, either in a meeting or maybe in the confessional, the person across from me stammers a little bit, shifts in his or her chair, sighs, and after some beating around the bush, responds something like, well, Father, I guess I, I could pray more. Or, you know, Father, it really should be a lot better than it is. Or, well, Father, I used to pray a lot. I used to pray all the time. But now it's, I just get so busy. There's so much going on. And I don't bring this up to make anyone here feel bad. Believe me. These words convict me, too. Quite the contrary. I share this because I want to encourage you that if you do feel this way, that your prayer is lacking something, that you're not alone. In fact, the reality is that many of us in this church right now kind of have this vague feeling of regret about the way or maybe the amount that we pray. And I would like to just point out from this pulpit that God wants to teach you how to pray. He wants to teach you how to become an expert at prayer. Yes, he wants to teach you how to become an expert at prayer. Now that probably sounds pretty intimidating, but believe me, it's actually not. My favorite definition of prayer is this, wasting time with God. St. Teresa of Avila, one of the church's foremost experts in prayer, once said that contemplation or mental prayer, in her opinion anyways, which I would say is a pretty good opinion because she is a doctor of our church, she says that, that prayer is nothing but an intimate sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. I love that quote. It's beautiful. And that is what we are all being invited to share in when the church tells us over and over and over again that we need to pray. But this sort of intimate friendship, like any other relationship in our life, will take time, it will take patience, and it will take concerted effort to cultivate. It takes deliberate investment. It will not happen magically. You will not accidentally become a very good friend with God. You will not accidentally become an expert in prayer. And that is why I think it's very fitting that today, as the Diocese of Richmond marks the end of our bicentennial celebration, that we turn and meditate on Mary, Mother 
of the church. Because in a very real way, Mary teaches us how to pray. We see this already in action in our first reading, or rather our second reading this weekend, from the book of the Acts of the Apostles. This passage comes just after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, where we find the disciples returning once again to that famous upper room, the same place where only a few days earlier they heard Jesus say for the very first time, this is my body, this is my blood. And what do they do in that upper room? Do they set about being useful and productive in the worldly sense of the term? Do they divvy up which apostles would go to which corner of the earth for preaching the gospel? Do they form evangelization subcommittees? Do they conduct an intensive scholarly Bible study? Do they organize a soup kitchen to make sure that everyone in Jerusalem that night would have a full belly? No. It may surprise us that they don't do any of those things. Instead, the scriptures say, all these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer, together with Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is the newborn church at its source. It takes on Mary's own posture of receptivity and urgent longing it takes on her fiat, right? Let it be done unto me according to your word. In this tiny little snapshot from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, we get a clear glimpse of what it means to be church, and thus what it means to be a Christian, which is to be totally and completely devoted to our prayer, to be experts in prayer. Evidently, prayer is what Jesus' teaching and preaching impressed upon those first Christians most emphatically. And that would make a lot of sense because throughout his public ministry, Jesus constantly withdrew to deserted places to go and pray. He taught his disciples firsthand that life just doesn't make sense unless you pray regularly. And that means finding or maybe making time to go and just be alone with the Father. Set an appointment with the Lord, and then show up consistently. That's what Jesus taught his disciples. And this is non-negotiable stuff. To be a follower of Christ is to follow him into his own prayer, into his own relationship with the Father of all mercies. And this reaches a climax, of course, here in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, which is Jesus' prayer to the Father, his self-offering to God on our behalf, and we get swept up into Jesus' own offering, Jesus' own prayer. But let us not forget that even Jesus had a teacher when it came to prayer. I help lead our young adult group here at St. Andrews, and just this past Monday night, actually, we discussed the part in the Catechism where it says very beautifully that Jesus himself learned the rhythms and the formulas of prayer from his mother, who kept in her heart and meditated upon all the great things done by the Almighty. Ponder that for just a moment. Mary taught Jesus 
how to pray. And perhaps you can relate to this. So many of us probably remember our own mothers teaching us how to pray. I know I can still vividly picture my mom kneeling beside my bed, teaching me the Our Father as she tucked me into bed at night. I also remember my grandma, who painstakingly kissed all of the holy images in her tiny little apartment before taking my sister and me to Dunkin' Donuts to go get munchkins. She was teaching me prayer. These memories still hit me hard, and to think that Jesus, our Savior, also has memories like this, of Mary showing him the great traditions of the Jewish prayer, is just, it's just astonishing. Moms teach us how to pray, and Mary, who is, quote, a peerless model of contemplation, as Pope Benedict XVI once put it, teaches us how to pray, too. But unfortunately, part of Mary's task, at least with us, is also to help us unlearn some of the bad things that we have picked up from all sorts of bad teachers in the world. Look no further than our first reading from the book of Genesis. Our primordial mother, Eve, the mother of all the living. What does she do? She teaches us the opposite of prayer, right? If prayer is wasting time with God, then Eve unfortunately taught us how to waste time with the devil. And ever since, we too have had a much easier time having conversations that exclude and ignore God and his plans for our lives. We talk about movies and TV shows freely enough. We talk gossip. We talk shop. We talk politics. We talk about cool restaurants and breweries and, and whatever cool hobby we've started. And all of that other stuff, we talk about that so easily. We spend hours binging Netflix without a second thought. But then we try to sit down and pray in silence for 20 minutes, and boy, do those minutes tick by slowly. We are uncomfortable with prayer for some reason. Or try this. See what happens. I dare you. Invite someone to pray with you, and you will quickly find that even among stalwart and cradle Catholics, a kind of deep awkwardness happens, and it's almost unbearable. What's up with that? Why? Why is prayer, which is intended to be our life-giving, unifying powerhouse that calls down God's blessings in our life, it's meant to be the foundation of an everlasting friendship with God. The Catechism says that it is the life of the new heart that we have received by baptism. Why is that so painfully weird and awkward for us so often? Well, because we're not experts in prayer. Not yet, anyways. And so we need our mom to teach us how to pray. We need the Blessed Mother to gently reintroduce us to the joys and the rhythms of wasting time with the Lord who loves us so well. And guess what? She is thrilled to help you. Thankfully, Jesus also knew that we would need this, that we would need a mom to help us pray. And from his cross, he gazed down and whispered to John, the beloved disciple, Behold your mother. Behold your mom. 
Think of that for a moment. Think of that, that, that experience of John when he first heard those words from Jesus, his dying friend. He must have felt compelled to look at Mary in that moment. And what did he behold there but a powerful woman wrapped in prayer? He saw in the face of Mary sorrow and pain, yes, but also an unshakable faith. He saw an immaculate heart cracked wide open, being pierced along with her son's sacred heart. He saw the image of the entire church at prayer, wounded, standing beneath the cross, and yet unconditionally devoted to God, for whom nothing, nothing is impossible. He saw the battle of prayer in action in the person of Mary. He saw the antidote to Eve's disobedience. He saw the drama of a human being radically receptive and ready to do God's every bidding. He saw a human person fully alive, alert, listening, expecting a word spoken by her God. Mary hung on every single word of her sons, even as he hung on his cross. And so as we as a church, as a diocese, ponder that woman, that woman of prayer, I ask again, how's your prayer life going? I'd like to end this homily today with some practical steps that you can take if you want to learn how to become an expert in prayer. And these steps, these seven steps that don't worry about writing them down, you can listen to them later on a recording, come from St. Francis de Sales, who is also an expert in prayer and a doctor of our church. And so he tells us these following things. First, place yourself in the presence of God. Of course, we're always in the presence of God, but sometimes we forget that, don't we? It's easy to overlook that. And so just very clearly calling to mind that he is here with us. Number two, he says, ask the Lord for help to pay attention. Because we don't know how to pray as we ought. That's what St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans. We do not know how to pray as we ought. And so we ask God for help to be able to stay focused, to clear our mind, to be able to be attentive to only him. Number three, he recommends that we pick out a passage of scripture or maybe some piece of spiritual reading to meditate on. Maybe we imagine ourselves in a passage from scripture. That's what the Ignatian way tells us, right? St. Ignatius of Loyola tells us to do something like that. So we kind of put ourselves into this and meditate on what this means for us now. And then we ponder the passage, right? That's number four. Ponder the passage, not because, and this is important, not because you want to know more, not because you want to study the passage in kind of an academic way, but in order to stir up and increase your desire to love God. That is so crucial. Number five. If, in the midst of doing all of these things, you find moving within your heart, in your soul, this kind of gratitude for God's mercy, awe at his majesty, sorrow for your sins, a desire to be more faithful in your daily life, if you see all this stuff kind of happening in your soul, then, then that's a good thing, and you should yield to that, Francis de Sales says. Give in to those movements. They're from God. And you ask God for help in discerning what is really from God and what is not. So number six, 
after you've experienced these things, after you've, you've seen these kind of movements of gratitude and awe and sorrow, all of these various types of prayer, then we come to practical conclusions. We come to some resolution on what we're going to do based on what God has done in our soul. And then lastly, number seven, and this is perhaps the most important thing, take action. If we just make resolutions, if we just think about virtue and about cool stuff that God reveals to us in Scripture, but it doesn't actually do anything, then we are like that person in the gospel that has built their house on sand, right? We build it on rock because we hear the word and then we act on it. That is crucial. It has to spill out. Our prayer needs to spill out into the rest of our lives. I think if we embody some of these things and other recommendations from the saints of our tradition, the experts in prayer, then we will become a church that has a more deeply Marian heart, an immaculate heart that is always open, always receptive to the Holy Spirit, always listening, always ready to take what she hears and put it into action. That is my prayer for this parish. That is my prayer for this diocese as we move into our third century, that we would entrust ourselves to our mom who wants to teach us how to pray, how to become even experts in prayer.